0: Welcome into the Camel Call podcast. You guys may have been looking around the stands and seeing one of the most impactful people in Campbell history, maybe not for his playing career, not for things of that nature, but someone who's been around the program for so long. And we're just so excited to have John Boney on with us for this conversation. And Boney, first and foremost, thank you for for jumping on. And and secondly, how proud are you to be a, a Campbell Camel all these years later after graduating from the school nearly 40 years ago?
1: Oh, good grief. I graduated in 78, and I've never been more proud, and I've never lost my interest in the basketball program through all the years, and my goal now is just to help them do whatever it takes to get back to where they want to be.
0: Well, we'll start on kind of your current role with the team, because I think it's it's a unique story, and this probably dates back to, gosh, four or five years ago now, but the, there was a unique opportunity for you living up in Durham to, to come down and, and help out with the team. How did that all kind of come about for you?
1: Well, I was coming to practice. I've been coming to practice for a long time and I was coaching at the same time in Durham and using it as an opportunity to keep learning. You can't stop learning. But, um, January the 12th, 2019, Andrew Gofsky, who's now at VMI, um, had me sign up with personnel as a volunteer assistant with basketball operations. And that's where what I'm doing now currently started. Um, One of the big things we do at all alumni functions, giving tours and talking to the former players because I know so many of them, and helping to try and get people back on campus. And, And doing that, and then I chart, at every game, I'm charting defensive stats for Coach White And during practice, I'm doing some stats, and I'm always there encouraging the players because I know what they're going through, especially when they have a bad day and they start getting down, they're young, and I'm always trying to encourage them to keep their head up and doing stuff like that, and it's a a blast. After I quit coaching about three years ago, it's kept me in the game and kept my mind sharp.
0: Boney, I wanted to ask you about your relationship both with the coaching staff and, and Kevin McGeehan and his crew, of course, but then also these players who see you every day at practice. I know there's been like a, there was a trip to uh, Florida this past year. They're playing Florida Gulf Coast, and you and your wife drove down and met the team, and you got to jump on a charter plane a few years ago and go to Abilene Christian. What is that dynamic like with this group? It's um
1: it's wonderful. Um, I've been... I'm Me and my wife are almost at every game, so I can I'm doing these stats for Coach White. But last year was a little different when we went to Florida. Um, I did, we didn't drive down. I was in a unique situation. I had a bad head injury at camp about seven years ago. I got hit in the head with a basketball. And it knocked the retina off my right eye. And I had to have emergency surgery that day. This was during camp. And drove to Cary, and they did the surgery. And an hour after the surgery, I was back at camp with my eye—you know—with a patch over my eye and a big bubble. And uh, the kids said, "Well, why are you back? You could have gone. You should have." I said, "Well, I made a commitment to you guys, and I'm going to fulfill my commitment here at camp." I said, "Now, you guys would use this as an excuse to go home for a week." I said, "But I don't do stuff like that." And um, but last year, right before the tournament in Fort Myers, I had my fifth eye surgery, and. My eye, they, they took all the fluid out of my eye to do the surgery, had to cut my eye in three places. Well, they filled it up with nitrous oxide and told me I couldn't fly on the plane. They said my eye, the, the air pressure in the plane could make my eye explode on the plane. And I said, Well, then that wouldn't be a good situation. So um, I told Coach McGee and I said, Well, I'm not going to the Thanksgiving tournament. And I left it at that, so I'm just not going to be able to be down there. I would chart it with my one eye. On TV, <laughs> yeah, and uh, so we were, um, we were the game, and Coach McGeehan came in. He said, "He said, John, your wife's out in the hallway on the phone talking to somebody." And I said, "Oh, there's no telling." Well, I found out what she was doing, and it was unique. I didn't tell Coach McGeehan because they thought we weren't coming. We left Raleigh on Amtrak twenty-two hours before the team left Bowie's Creek, and we rode that train. For about 24 hours, and we got to the team hotel in, in Fort Myers 30 minutes after the team did. And I'm walking down. We'll have a Thanksgiving meal that night. And I'm walking down the hallway, and I'll never forget this. It shows you about Coach McGinn and how the guys are. He saw me walking down the hallway. And he stopped. He said, "Is that Bony?" And then I'm not going to tell you what he said next. But it was, it was a kind of like, "Well, how did he get here? And why? <laughs> what's going on?" He was shocked. And um, we went in, and he asked me to do the prayer for the team meal, that Thanksgiving meal that night. And that just shows you how they are. I didn't even tell them I was coming. They were glad to see me. And I think they might have been a little shocked. But that was the longest train ride in my life.
0: No, I was going to say, I remember traveling on that trip, and and the surprise factor of it was fantastic. And it's it's always great to have you at the games. Boney, I want to go back a a few years now because – You have the unique experience both of of being a student at Campbell, playing on the basketball team, but also uh, attending and working the Campbell basketball camp, which has so much history and and dates back, gosh, even to the late 1950s. But from your experiences as a camper, what did you enjoy about getting workouts in Carter Gym and, and meeting some of these famous both NBA and, at the time, college basketball players? Oh, working at
1: Carter Gym, was a trip because it's they used to talk about how red our back returned the heat on in boston garden in june boston garden had nothing over carter gym it was the hottest place on earth and um i've seen days used to be a thermometer in there where up at the at the top of the seats weren't that high off the ground it'd be 125 degrees on the thermometer and down on the floor there was another thermometer and it'd be like 110 and we'd have fans blowing and it was hot. But nobody seemed to care because we were all playing basketball. And nobody complained. The players today don't like to go to Carter because it's so hot. And I just I tell them you don't know how lucky you are. But it was it was a hot box and still is because they still hadn't put air conditioning in it. And I don't think they ever will. But the the experience then was, was good. Um, as a camper, the first camp I came in ten years old in 1965 and my first counselor was uh johnny marshbanks who still comes to some of the games um and sits sits with me and my wife in the first row there behind the bench he's um he's been a mentor of mine since 1965 we talked on the phone last night but he's um meeting him but then i can tell you the coaches that were there um we have to start with john wooden from ucla absolutely then there's Tate a from Wake Forest and Terry Holland for Virginia. And the comedian himself, Lefty Drizel from Maryland, Dean Smith from UNC, Norm Sloan from State, uh, Jerry Steele from High Point, uh, a very good coach. who A lot of people don't know. Red Myers from Erskine College in South Carolina. Sam Moore from Catawba College. Bones McKinney, Press Maravich, of course. But then there was Coach Roberts and Coach Fred McCall. Um, those two more or less ran to camp and you know coach bones mckinney was there but it was fred mccall's uh baby from the beginning and that matter of fact fred mccall and coach roberts are the reason i even came to campbell um i can tell you some of the players some of them i've known almost all my life um but john lucas who still works with the Houston Rockets was there. And people have always asked me who was the best player I ever saw at the Campbell basketball camp. And that's a hard question to answer. So the way I do it is Pete Maravich was by far the best offensive player I that I ever saw. I mean, he was he was top notch. And during the counselor games at night, I had the opportunity some in 74 right when i first started working at camp the place we played camp uh games at night after the sessions were done and i tell you what you better know where he is and where the ball is at all times because you it'll come out of nowhere right to you and um he was a wonderful guy um we used to go one of the highlights we'd go sit in his dorm room over in brian where he stayed and just talk about basketball but he was a um, he was the best passer. He was a good scorer, but he was even a better passer to me.
0: Which is crazy to think, Boney, because, you know, Pistol Pete, obviously the all-time leading scorer in, in NCAA mm-hmm. basketball, and he did it in three years, which which is just yeah. insane to think about.
1: No, Nobody will ever do it again.
0: Boney, since you were both a player and a staffer at the Campbell basketball camp, give us a sense of some of the, the all-time greats or some of your favorite players to participate in the camp.
1: I can't remember all of them because I am 65 now, but I've got to – um, John Lucas that played at the University of Maryland um, actually he's with the Houston Rockets now as a support staff had a great NBA career he was probably the best athlete I ever saw at the Campbell camps he was also not only played guard at Maryland was all American he was also the number one ranked tennis player in the NCAA in Division 1 and after we would play the games the counselor games sometimes Lucas Wanted to play, have a tennis workout. So Campbell's number one player came over and played him after he played basketball for a few hours, and he went out behind Carter on the old tennis courts and just wore him out. Well, the next night, he told that guy, he said next night, bring bring the number two player, and they did, and they said, and Lucas played doubles. He played the the Campbell's number one doubles team after playing basketball. He played double. He played cover the other side of the court by himself and beat him again. He was he was amazing. I mean, just the best athlete I ever saw. Lynn Elmore that played at Maryland was there. Mitch Kupchak from UCLA. Ricky Bell from UNC. Um, of course, Pete Maravich from LSU and at Atlanta at the time. Bill Fig Newton was there. He was the center at LSU. And one of the funniest things you ever see was see him and Pete drive up to Campbell and that white Volkswagen Beetle and try and get out of that car. I don't know how both of them even got in. But Bob Cousy, Celtics, great, was there. Tiny Archie Ball. And a player a lot of people don't know was Bob Kaufman that played with the Buffalo Braves in the NBA was there. Um, One of my – a guy who played at high school where I was at Wallace Rose Hill, was there as a camper. He uh, he won the high school championship while he was at Wallace Rose Hill. Then he went to Guilford College and led them to the national championship win. Then he went to the ABA, played there, ended up in the NBA, won the NBA championship with the Celtics, coached the Celtics, and then ended up being the NBA general manager. And that's ML Carr. And he's one of the best people you'll ever meet. He's from my hometown. Um, but then you have to go to the Lehman Brothers they were as much a part of the camp as anybody. Austin and George. Now his and their other brother Ben was at Campbell the same time I was. He was playing. But George Lehman was absolutely without a doubt the greatest shooter to basketball that I've ever seen. And he developed the beef method. But he ended up playing for the Atlanta Hawks. But before he played with the Carolina Cougars, played with a bunch of teams in the ABA. But he ended his career with the Atlanta Hawks in the NBA. But George was probably as much as big a person at camp as there ever was. Even if he played at Campbell, people didn't know who they who he was when they first showed up to camp. But when they left, everybody knew who George Lehman was. And um he was just out of this world good. Best shooter I've ever seen. What was the it game like was- from
0: from your perspective? You know, obviously you you kind of watched uh Maravich when he was young and then seeing Chris Clemens, who scores in a different way, but is still climbing up the scoring ranks, and to kind of witness two of the, gosh, top three all-time scorers in in college history?
1: They were definitely different players. Similar results, but different players. Um, Maravich was used to doing his, what he called his showboat routine, where he did all his skills and stuff. And I saw him do stuff that I've never seen anybody do since then. Throwing the pass three quarters the length of the court behind his back and hitting the target without the ball hitting the floor. It's, it's amazing the shoulder strength he must have had. Um, Chris was more of a like a silent assassin. Chris was always kind of quiet. He never showboated. He never bragged. He never acted out on the court. He just played basketball, and he'd stick it in your heart. Maravich was used to being the center of attention and i don't mean that in a bad way but he was um he was a little bit more flamboyant outgoing and talkative um and did different things but um as far as scoring the ball there's not much difference between the two but they were different players different different attitudes but both of them very friendly once you get to know them
0: no doubt and i just with the campbell basketball camp because a lot of people under the age of, of let's say 35 or 40 may have heard of the camp but they don't necessarily know a lot about it so from your perspective as as someone who worked it and and someone who obviously was a a camper when you were growing up what was that experience like what was kind of the buzz around the state just talking about campbell basketball camp in the summer
1: it was the best camp in the world and it was the largest and the oldest and even now if i'm in the upper peninsula of Michigan at the very tip up by Copper Harbor and I've got on a Campbell shirt, or if I'm in new Orleans and I got on a Campbell shirt, it's not unusual. Somebody say, Oh, I know where Campbell college and Campbell university is. My grandfather went to camp there or my dad went to camp there, or I've been to camp there. And then if they've got their sons, when they'll start talking about the camp and they always ask us, it's still there. And I say, of course it's still there. Um, When they changed the rule, when division one coaches, Um, couldn't go participate in another camp like they used to. It changed Campbell's camp. as how it was run. And then camps popped up on every street corner. They're everywhere. But the camp now is basically the same way. It's smaller because there's camps everywhere. But it's still, I think, fundamentally, um, there's not a camp fundamentally that teaches the fundamentals of basketball anywhere any better.
0: Yeah, Boney, it's it's fascinating, too, because especially when you consider the history of Campbell basketball and, and that camp, you know, Stan Cole did the research, is the longest camp ever in terms of any oh, yeah. collegiate setup. And, you know, nowadays, I know you help work the camp a little different structure. It's in Gore Arena, obviously, which is a much different venue. But do you still notice any, any parents of these kids who come by and say, oh, yeah, you know, I played here in 1986, let's say, or what's that experience like for you?
1: Well, there there are campers that come and their parents bring them who were, who were also in the camp, and I've had grandfathers who came up said, yeah, I was in the camp. The camp started in, I think, 1956, 55 or 50. I think it was 56. And um, there are people who still come, and some of them are amazed it's still there, and there's a lot of other camps now, but I don't think there's one anywhere, anywhere better at teaching the fundamentals of basketball than this camp. And it's been a big impact on my life, now, obviously, when I was 10 years old and met Mr. Marshbanks and made a friend. And um, I'll tell you how much of a, a camp has meant to me. When I came to camp, someone had to pay for me to come. And I don't know who it was. It might have been my parents. It could have been my grandparents. I don't know. But I would come to camp and stay over the week and we play. I'd come for two weeks every summer. And what I decided, my wife and I, um, we decided to start a scholarship for the basketball camp. And Coach McGee knows what to do, but if there's people who, kids who want to come to the camp and can't afford to come, me and my wife will pay for them to come. And um, they started um, the John Boney Camper of the Week Award when we started the scholarship, and we give out these awards, not necessarily to the best player, the best score, but the best all around person. And it's kind of unique. The first winner of that award is playing for Campbell. Now and that's Andrew Carroll. And um, we started that about five years ago, four years ago, maybe. And um, I told coach McGee one when you're about seven years ago, to quit paying me to work in camp, to keep that money in the budget. I'm trying to pay it forward. and, because of what the school meant to me, my wife and I also um, make a donation twice a year for men's basketball. And matter of fact, we're getting ready to do that again soon. But it has meant that much to me. And in 1977, when we, they had just played for the NAIA national championship game. um, We were playing the athletes in action in a, exhibition game in federal, at the Cumberland County Memorial Auditorium, And that was the year they went started division one. And I was working as a student assistant in basket and, um, sports information with RV height. Wendell Carr had asked me, and there's a, there's more that goes behind this, but he asked me after I knew I wasn't going to play anymore. If I'd be wanting to work for at the athletic officers, I said, well, of course, but we were down there playing. The athletes in action. And when I came to Campbell, you know, I knew I knew who God was. But after that game, the guard one of the guards from them, it just wore us out. He came, we were talking after the game. And after that game talking with him, my relationship went from a head knowledge to a relationship with God. And I have to tell you, if it wasn't for God first and Campbell University second, I wouldn't have had much of a life. And I'm spending all my time now just paying things back. They took a chance on me when they didn't have to. And um, I spend my time now trying to help other kids and paying Campbell back the best I can.
0: That's fascinating, Boney. And I wanted to ask you, because you bring up a great point about the, the basketball side of it. You know, this program that, that made an NIE championship game, they were a dominant program at that level. You were a part of that, both as a player and on the staff. What was well, that experience like for you guys kind of transitioning to Division
1: One? I was in 1974, and I have to go back to my high school year. My junior year in high school, I broke my leg, and I didn't know it was broken. I just knew I was having pain in my lower left leg. And um, I, could play, I played the whole season, never missed a practice, but I couldn't put any weight impact on my left heel because it hurt too bad. I just kept my left heel off the game, off the floor. And it got worse. And as it started healing, it got worse. I didn't even play my senior year. Um, I couldn't, but I still hoped to be a walk-on at Campbell in the fall of '74. And I came in, and um, I still wasn't myself. My leg just didn't work; want to work right. And we finally figured out, and I didn't know it. We went to the doctor, and they x-rayed my leg, and he said, "When did you break your leg?" I said, "I don't. I never broke my leg." We come to find out my leg had broken. And I remember when it happened and how it happened. But like nobody ever thought that I broke my leg. So they never did an x-ray. And um, they did the x-ray. He said, we need to cut your leg and reset this bone because his heel crooked. And it was putting pressure on my left knee, causing my knee to hurt. So I was having lower leg pain and knee pain. He said, we can surgery and cut it. He said, oh, you can keep playing and exercising and working out. And the stress were eventually... Straighten the bone. Well, I chose that route, and um, I was just kept playing the best I could. And by the end of my sophomore year, the bone had apparently turned itself, like you said it would, and I was no longer having pain. And um, I'm thinking, well, so I got I talked to Coach Roberts, and um, I knew that my time playing going to play play at camp it was it was over um i knew i wasn't going to play and there was another player at campbell we used to play pickup games in carter all the time his name was bill uh bill ross and i kept i told bill i said bill you ought to be a walk-on i said you're good enough to play he and he said you, you sure you really think so i said yes and i encouraged bill and he was a walk-on the year they played for the national championship in 77. by that time i was already working that's when I knew I wasn't going to play. And Wendell Card, the athletic director, asked me if I'd go work in sports information with RV Hyde, And I did. And um, I really enjoyed it. And then Coach Roberts told me, he said, John, he said, you one day you might be a good basketball coach. He said, would you like to do that? And I said, well, yeah, I'd consider it. Well, he made some phone calls. And the summer of 1977, he he had sent me to Brant Lake, New York, to work as a basketball coach at a, at a camp up there for three months. And um, that's where I started. That's where I finally got into coaching basketball. And it went on from there. And I went to Gorman Christian Academy in Durham. After I spent 20 years doing strength and conditioning, when I retired from that, I ended up at Gorman Christian Academy. Um, coaching basketball and being the athletic director so the experience with the sports information helped me as the athletic director and then um, started coaching basketball I was there for 12 seasons and I finally stopped with this eye injury I couldn't help drive the bus it wasn't safe for me to drive all those kids so I finally retired but in those 12 seasons we won six regular season championships and three end of the season tournament championships in, uh, in those 12 years and I loved every minute of that. But I kept working at the camp through all that, too.
0: No, absolutely. So that gives, yeah,
1: That gives you an idea of how all this evolved. I never I never put on a uniform at Campbell. Um, I was hoping to be a walk-on. And the injury that I did in high school put a limit to that. But I played pickup games with them. I knew all the guys. I got to know them. And I enjoyed it almost as much as I would have been a walk-on.
0: Uh, that's a great point, Boney, And you're mentioning Fred McCall and and Danny Roberts and John Marshbanks, who were who are legends and and Hall of Famers in their own right at, at Campbell University. What was it? What was that experience? Not only being able to to interact and and get to know those folks, but now you know, fast forward thirty-ish years, and, and you're still connected to the program. You still get to see alumni. How was that relationship built or grown for you over over these years?
1: One of the one of the things I enjoy every day at practice um is hoping that coach uh Jerry Smith and Coach Roberts are at practice and I go over and talk to both of them and talking to coach roberts is a it's a pleasure his his health isn't like it used to be he's much older and um but I enjoy seeing him at practice every time he's there, and I go talk to him. And, of course, if any of the alumni show up at practice, I get up, I quit doing my stats I'm doing, and I walk over and make sure I talk to them because Coach McGinn and them don't have time to just stop practicing and go talk to them. Um, like when Fred Whitfield's there, I go talk to Fred. I just I talk to all the former players, no matter when they played, and try and keep them connected as alumni. But it's um, Johnny Marshbanks. At one time, was the all-time leading scorer at Campbell, and um, just being around him, and he's as competitive at seventy-five as he was at twenty. And if you're ever at a Campbell game, you will hear him. He's uh,
0: a <laughs> no doubt. He is.
1: He is as competitive now as he ever was.
0: It's funny, him and uh, Jim Perry. I, I see them both at a, at oh, a yeah. lot of games, and, and those two are about as animated and, and fired up for their particular sports as as any alumni. And obviously, both did did so much
1: once they left school as well yeah mr perry i've met him in a few of the alumni functions and people don't you know, he was a great baseball player but a lot of people don't realize he played basketball at campbell too he was a he wasn't just a baseball player but he's a good guy i mean just down to earth and will speak to everybody like he's known him forever
0: i always find it fascinating too bony just speaking to the campbell basketball camp and how different faces and, and different names all come together that christian leitner who, of course, was was part of Duke lore and and success over all those years. He got to play in Carter Gym at the camps, and then mm-hmm. had the unique honor of playing against Campbell all those years later in the NCAA tournament in Greensboro. So I do kind of find it interesting oh, yeah. how it all comes together like that. In
1: 1992, I, I remember that game and what was Chris Martin. Yeah, um, was the leading scorer of the game. Um, he was a very very good player. Campbell was um, the underdog, very much so. Playing to, to expect that they wouldn't well, Duke won the national championship that year. But Campbell did not back down, and they had nothing to be ashamed of.
0: You, I know we've shown the video over the years, Boney, but you'd appreciate this. My favorite part of the championship celebration, beating Charleston Southern, is is seeing Stan Cole, the sports information director, who was probably in his late twenties at that time jumping up and down on the court and (laughs) and celebrating with the guys. Because that's one of those moments that, you know, the support staff, like you were saying, they don't always get to celebrate it. But, you know, you were part of tournament wins these last few years with with the men's side with Campbell. And it's got to be neat, you know, putting all those hours and and be able to celebrate that success.
1: Yeah, um, when they won the regular season at Gore Arena what 2019, um, just watching Chris's and Yudi's reaction – that's what they've been working for for their whole four years. And um, I was just I was thrilled for those two to get to see what that – to feel what that felt like.
0: Boney, my final question for you is kind of Campbell-related, but as someone who's so connected to the program over all these years and continues, like you said, to give back and, and set up endowment scholarships for camps and, and come to the games and, and help with the coaches during the, the season and whatnot, What does it mean for you to be a part of this Campbell community? And I know you've mentioned how much Campbell has meant to you, but how much pride do you have in, in being a part of that group as well?
1: Well, I've never not felt like I wasn't part of the Campbell community. It started when I was 10 years old at camp, started working in camp in 1974. And I'm still there at camp. And now I'm helping as a volunteer assistant with basketball operations as much as I can. I've just never, I've never lost that feeling. Um, It's just, it's part of, after what Campbell did for me and took that chance on me and the way things have turned out, um, I've never lost the feeling. I didn't have to regain it or or relight the torch. It's just always been there. Campbell is part of me um, and it always will be.
0: Well, Boney, I can't wait for a day when, you know, of course all of us can get back to practice, but also, too, we can get back to seeing you in the arena with the new court, the the new floor and everything. Oh, yeah. It's great to have you on this podcast.